Hi everyone and welcome to Off Grid, the not really about crosswords podcast. We have solved a cryptic crossword and we've had a good stare at it, thought, oh that word's interesting, maybe I'll talk about something to do with it. And we're also going to tell you our favourite clue each and describe how it works to you. For this episode, the one we tackled was the independence puzzle number 10878 from Tuesday the 24th of August 2021, which was by Kairos. A link to that, as usual, will be in the show notes if you want to have a go at it yourselves. Otherwise, be aware that we will be giving away half a dozen or so of the answers during the next 40 minutes or so. We being me, Dave, and my co-host Void, how are you today, sir? I'm very well, thank you. As well as talking about our interesting facts, we are going to have a mini general knowledge quiz, hopefully inspired by the puzzle from, of course, our ever-resident General Knowledge. Are you there, General? Hello, yes, it's good to be back. Thank you for having me in again. It's, uh, it's all good. It's a pleasure as ever. Right, so let's get straight on to those clues then. If you're not a solver, as always, don't panic and we will explain how they work for you later. Maybe just let them rattle around in your brain a little bit and see if something simmers to the surface. But if not, then, you know, just ignore them. So, General, would you like to read out your favourite clue for us? Yes, uh, mine was uh, 19 down, uh, which is seven letters, and it's send on description of bellicose duke. And Dave? Mine was 22 across, and the clue for that was description of motorphobic person's electronic device. And that's a four and six. What about yours? Mine was three down. Notes from Letter to the Philippians, faithfully reproduced. Five letters. All right, you can have a ponder on those and we'll tell you the answers in a bit, but not until we've heard some more from General Knowledge. General, which word suggested something for you to talk about from the puzzle? Well, I, I, I was looking at uh, five down, uh, which is sausage. Um so, right now, sausage comes from the uh, old Norman French, uh, sausage, uh, which is derived from the Latin, uh, salsus, the same derivation as sauce. But that's not actually the definition here. The definition is term of endearment, as in you silly sausage uh, to a child. <laughs> and I, I was interested in that because I, I, I looked it up in uh, uh, Collins and Chambers, and it's not actually in there under that definition. So I looked in the uh, ODE, and it is there. Uh, and of course, that that brings us to how does a how does a word actually get into the dictionary? Um, obviously, new words come in and uh, neologisms arrive. But this is a this is a sort of new meaning, um, and I, I presume it is it is just um, the decision of an editor because you can have pretty much anything as a term of endearment. Um, and it, I suppose it's uh, the judgment of it, the editor whether it's uh, widely enough used uh, to actually make an appearance in the uh, in the dictionary. Um, yeah, I think they they look for citations, don't they? To they see have, it being used. They yeah. have what they call corpora, don't they? Which is just large databases of language in use and they kind of find the word they're looking for and see what the context around it is. Yes, yeah, well, I think. I, I assume it. Uh, that there are a lot of people working very hard to do this. Um, 
and, and of course, uh, sometimes uh, uh, there'll be things in one dictionary uh, and not in another. In, in crossword world, of course, the, the abbreviations uh, are the most uh, obvious glaring differences because there's often uh, complete variation in, in the abbreviations, certainly between Collins and Chambers at times. And sometimes, of course, you get uh, ghost words. Um, the, 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 I presume you know the most famous uh, ghost word that appeared by mistake in a dictionary from an abbreviation. I think this is. Are we referring to Dord? Yes, yes. Um, yes. So, so this this was because uh, someone wanted density, the abbreviation D for density, to appear in the uh, Merriam Dictionary in the 1930s, uh, but wrote D or D, capital D or small D, uh, and someone misread that as uh, Dord, and it appeared in the dictionary uh, for. Uh, for a, over a decade, I think. It was noticed after a few years, but managed to st hang on in there, uh, appearing uh, for a decade. Defined as meaning density? Defined as density, yes. So the one way to find out what, what words are in use is to uh, look in another dictionary, but that's not uh, very ethical. Uh, I, I know we've already discussed um, on here methods to avoid that. Uh, you, you discussed that with uh, Columbo. Um, right. I've got a, um, a biography from uh, that I'm sure you'll know who it is, uh, from the 1975 New Columbia Encyclopedia, mm -hmm. about uh, a photographer born in 1942, died in 1973, born in Bangs, Ohio. Turning from fountain design to photography, she produced her celebrated portrait of the sudden Sierra uh, Miwok. She was awarded government grants to make a series of photo essays of unusual subject matter, including New York City buses, the cemeteries and rural American mailboxes. She died at 31 in an explosion on an assignment for Combustibles magazine. <laughs> and this is completely made up, I take it. Yes, yes. But you'll, yeah, you'll, be able to, you'll know her name, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, uh... Is her name going to be something like Florence Mountweasel? Yes, yes, Lillian uh, Mountweasel. Yes. That's the origin of the Mountweasel, right? Yes. So that was that was that was where it uh, originated. It was uh, it was from a biography as a as a copyright trap. Yes. And the, and the various various other um, copyright traps, especially on maps. Uh, trap map streets, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, yes, we're particularly keen on. Uh, uh, Although someone tried to sue when a place uh, that had been copyright trapped appeared on another map because an enterprising businessman had tried to had set up a store there with the name <laughs> that was uh, was on the map given on the map, <laughs> but uh, his plan was flawed because there was no no, no settlement anywhere near that. Is not going to make uh, much of a profit, so he went bust fairly quickly. How weird! The, the store remained, yeah. But I was I was having a look at, um, at different uh, effect, terms of affection from uh, around around the world because uh, of course sausage uh, might be quite an unusual term as, of affection. Uh, <laughs> you can have cabbage in France. Uh, you can have choux. Yes, exactly. Uh, or you can have little microbe in Italy, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> That's definitely a diminutive then, obviously. Yes, yes. Uh, you can have little poop in Netherlands. <laughs> Charming. And, and you can be half an orange in Spain, apparently. 
Oh, well, we all know about Spain and oranges. We've been through that as well before. Yes. <laughs> well, yes, if, if you're half an orange, you complete me, I think, or something like that. I've remembered... Well, I'll just say the thing I've remembered, and apologies to any French listeners, but I think it goes something like, si, 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 saucisse, si, son, si, 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 son, si, saucisse. Which means if six saws saw six sausages, six hundred and six saws saw six hundred and six sausages. Which, you know, seems reasonable. Yes. Well, you, you can see that the, the similarity of the, of the uh, languages almost in that uh, the, uh, the S's have uh, uh, emigrated as well. Dave, do you want to talk us through your clue? Or rather, Kairos's clue. Kairos's clue, yeah. Okay, well, my choice, if you remember, was description of motorphobic person's electronic device. Four and six. It's a very weird kind of sentence. Um, yeah, so yeah. Double definition where one part was a proper definition and the other part was a sort of pun, I suppose. Um, the proper definition bit was electronic device, which, uh, apart from the fact that you know you're looking for two words, four and six, it could be anything, really. So you're looking at it from the other end. And what would a description of a motorphobic person be? They'd be afraid of cars, car something. So he's sitting there trying to find a way to stick car into that 4-6 pattern. So is at the front of the word, you're thinking a four-letter word beginning with car, care, carp, card. Sounds plausible. And then the penny drops and the thing you use to pay by credit card or debit card in a shop is a card reader and you realise in your mind that you can see with the word space moved a bit, it's card dreader. And there's your description of a motorphobic person. I thought that was quite a nice little bit of wordplay. Budum tish, as they say. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, en- I enjoyed that one when I got it, but I didn't <laughs> enjoy the getting of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What clue should be all about, isn't it? Well, Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess so. Getting the penny drop, it's like the the roller coaster hitting the top of the the loop and then kind of coming down the other side and the exhilaration of spotting it. Anyway, what about, uh, what did you find interesting to, uh, to talk about? Well, I was looking at the words in the crossword and I wasn't quite sure. None of them really leapt out at me as suggesting something for me to talk about, apart from possibly one, which was anecdote. <laughs> and the, the way we do this, listener, is that we all pick a clue to talk about, but we have reserves in case some of us pick the same word. And I thought, anecdote, well, you could go absolutely anywhere with that, couldn't you? So one of them is bound to have picked it, but... It was left all to me. So I thought I would tell a little anecdote, which is slightly related to this podcast. Now, in the late 80s, I used to go and see a band quite a lot. And they were a band that was started by two ex-members of Cardiacs in 1979. And they started off towards the sort of poppier end of punk, I would say. And by the mid-80s, they'd they'd become just a great pop band, really. And this was the era that I started going to see them. 
and that band was called The Trudy. The name of the band you may well recognise because... Oh, you wouldn't have to say why. It's because it's the podcast's theme tune. <laughs> yes, they kindly provided Speedman as a track for us to use as our theme tune. Uh, so I saw this band, they had great pop songs and they had a, a penchant for songs about uh, space and aliens and whatnot, living on a moon and countdown to love and Venus with love. And they, I think they had a Radio 1 session at the time, um, but they never made the, you know, never broke it big, as it were. Now, anyway, if we skip forward in time a bit to 2004, I find myself at a friend's party. And I get chatting to a girl, and a little bit later, very slowly, we were talking about penny drops, but I realised one by one that she told me her name was Melissa and she told me that she was a singer and then a little later in the evening I suddenly went oh wait a minute you're Melissa from the Trudy aren't you and so we had a good old chin wag about that and later that night I went home and I dug out my old Trudy cassette tapes and put them on and I remembered that they were a great band and I really liked them and so I enjoyed listening to their songs again. So I thought, uh, I'll just I'll have a look on the internet, see what they're up to now, see what people are talk- saying about them, see what I can find. So I went on the internet, did a search for the Trudy and the Trudy band and the Trudy music, and I found almost nothing, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a great show. I did find one of the ex-members' recipe for a beef Wellington. Which, you know, is something. But having just listened to all these old songs and thinking, wow, they were great, and gone on the internet and thought, really? No one remembers the Trudy? That's not on. And they've not even got like a Bandcamp page or something. Exactly. Well, this was pre Bandcamp. Yes, exactly. Oh, I thought someone should do something about that. Oh. Oh, that's going to be me then, isn't it? <laughs> so I thought, right, well, I'll, I'll have to make a website for the Trudy, about the Trudy. A fan um, page. A, a fan page. <laughs> it's, it's just got to be done, which is fine, apart from the fact that at that point I didn't know how to make websites. So <laughs> this was the, the kick that made me learn how to make a website. And I knocked up a fan page and I let Melissa know about it. And... After Google found it, after a little while, I started to get the odd email from someone saying, oh, gosh, I remember the Trudy. Yeah, they were great, weren't they? Or people were saying, oh, my God, the Trudy, you're still around, thinking that the website was, was the band's actual one. site. Yeah. And, yeah, it was an official site. So this, this was nice. Um, but then Melissa had let Peter know about the site. Peter was the drummer from the Trudy, and he got in touch with me reasonably gobsmacked that such a thing could have happened i think um and he was he was quite chuffed about it and he sent me various pictures and bits of information and whatnot to put on the site at, at the um, time were they still playing or or were they kind of uh, disbanded no it turns out that they had disbanded in the early mid 90s right. um 
I, I imagine from the frustration at lack of success because you know I, I guess it just takes money to run a band basically mm. and you've got to earn a living somehow uh, so no they they were not active at the time however what with this happening and Peter's enthusiasm and other people's enthusiasm don't tell me your, your website prompted them to get back together the band reformed in um, well soon afterwards and not very long after that, they recorded some new music, put out some new singles. Uh, then they had a compilation album with some of their old stuff and the new stuff come out. And uh, a couple of years back, they had another new album out. So that's the story of how I accidentally reformed the band that I was <laughs> never in and have never been in. <laughs> well, congratulations. Very good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I got to see them live again a few more times. They, they no longer perform live because uh, uh, the guitarist, unfortunately, has tinnitus and can't deal with it, oh, yeah. which is a shame. But they are still active as a recording band, and uh, and they are great. And you should all check them out on Bandcamp, listeners. That's where they now are. Oh, yeah. They could have cool. been scared as well <laughs> by someone, <laughs> this person says, <laughs> said it's stalking them. Do you get sent, sent you an injunction? So I'm glad it went the, the right way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could have been the wrong kind of freak, as it were. <laughs> um, yes. Hello, Peter. Hello, Melissa. Hello, Derek. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing some new stuff from you whenever that comes along. <laughs> General, move us along and explain your favourite clue to us, please. Yes. So the uh, the clue was send on description of bellicose duke. Uh, seven letters and for this you you'll need to know that uh, uh we talked about abbreviations earlier d um is an abbreviation acceptable abbreviation of duke uh, along with uh, other things like earl it can be e and things like that uh, and the description of bellicose i don't i don't think description of would actually be required because it's an bellicose is an adjective anyway um but it gives you an idea that there is a bit of whimsy going on, which certainly helps me. Uh, so the definition is send on, and someone who is bellicose could be said to be for war. So the, uh, if you add the D to that, you get forward, as in a sense, forward a letter, send on a letter. Uh, so it's a nice, nice little uh, whimsical clue there. Yeah, yeah, I had a chuckle at that one. Well, since that was forward... Let's move forward, Dave, with your chosen word. All right, now that was 15 down, which was Carpe Diem. Now, a few episodes ago, we had classic movie misquotations, and this kind of reminded me of that because it's famously a movie quote. Uh, it's Robin Williams in Dead Poets Society. Uh, Carpe Diem, seize the day, boys. Make your, li make your lives extraordinary. Um so I thought I'd have a look at famous film quotes. Now, the AFI, which is the American Film Institute, they do a bunch of those kind of top 100 polls, top 100 movies of all time, top 100 villains, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they've got one that's the top 100 quotes. Uh -huh. Now, note that this is specifically American films. Um, so you, you're not going to have, you've got red on you, or we want the finest wines available to humanity, or he's not the Messiah, he's a very naughty boy. None of that's going to come into it. But Carpe Diem does come into it, and that's at number 95. 
So scraped in, scraped in at the bottom of the list of uh, top hundred American movie quotes. But I thought I'd run a few stats past you. The most quoted film on the list has six quotes in the top hundred, and it's from 1942. Would you like to kind of put a pin in the map as to what what you think that film is? Well, I think you just gave us a clue with pin in the map, didn't you? Uh, I think I might have done. Because yeah. it's, it's one that you might have mentioned in the misquotes episode as well. Yeah, well, if if we're not sure of which film it is, we might have to round up the usual suspects to find out, right? That's one of the quotes. <laughs> That's one of the six. Uh, Claude Rains, yes. We're talking about Casablanca again, folks. Um would you like to hazard a guess at any of the other five quotes that have made it into the uh, into the into the top hundred? General, you're shaking your head. You're not familiar with the film. Uh, no, I'm. Uh, I, I actually guessed guessed the film, uh, so I was there just from the year. But uh, there's one that's often misquoted, isn't there? Well, uh, that's the one that we were talking about in the previous episode, I think, which is to do with uh, play against Young. Sam, which is not actually yes, said. Yes. Um, yeah. Ingrid Bergman does say, "Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by." Yes, yeah. Um, that's 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 another one of the six. So, so that, yeah, that two was down, one four to go. Any thoughts, Void? This could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That's that's another one. Yep. So right. those yeah. those three were at places thirty-one, twenty-eight, and twenty. So there are two more lower down the list and one more higher up the list. And there's another relatively famous one, but I'm not sure if it's the sort of thing that would be enter a list of quotes, but I'll give it a shot. It goes something like, if that plane leaves and you're not on it, you're going to regret this. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but someday and for the rest of your life. That's very good. Very close to the right wording. And I was surprised that that's not one of the six. So I suspect that if they'd carried the list on beyond 100, that probably would have been in there somewhere. Yeah. And is there there's something about something doesn't amount to a hill of beans? Is that's, that the one? That's the other one that's also not in there. Yeah, it's uh, where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of, Ilsa. I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people doesn't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you will understand that. No, okay, I think you're probably not going to get the other three then. We've got... Oh, hang on, I've oh, remembered you one. Can have one. Go on in. It's it's a, a girl coming up to Rick at the bar and, and saying, where were you last night? And he says, that's so long ago, I don't remember. <laughs> and she says, will I see you tonight? And he says, I don't make plans that far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's not it either. <laughs> I, I've known all the other quotes, but I've not. I've never heard that one. Not that one. Well, there's of all the gin joints in all the wo- towns in all oh, the world, no. she walks right. in a mine. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Classic. We'll always have Paris, and the one that's nearest the top, which is actually in the top five, I think, is one that was not in the original scripts at all, but it was something that was kind of partly ad-libbed offset when Bogart was uh, talking to Bergman, like playing poker during shots or something like that. And then they fed it into the script, which was, here's looking at you, kid. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I would have guessed that that was uh, from a Bogart 
uh, Bakul film, but obviously not. Yeah. yeah. Well, there we are. Badly remembered. I've just remembered cool. one of those was um, re-employed when the radio show I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue were in the, visiting the southwest of England for one of their recordings. And they usually do an intro about the place that they're visiting. Yeah. And so they said of uh, all the gin joints and all the bars and all the towns in all the world, you had to walk into Minehead. Hey! <laughs> I, was, I was thinking. I was thinking actually, if it, you you mentioned uh, Withnail and I, I would have thought if there was a British one, that would supply about. How, it was basically a film of quotes. There was nothing really happened in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was I was kind of um, soliciting for uh, a British equivalent on Twitter, asking my friends on there because they were a bunch of sort of film followers, and we were getting yeah several uh, Withnail and I's. Uh, um, some Monty Python quotes, of course, is all the kind of um, holy grail. Very and, naughty uh, boy. Well, there's that, and, and, and yeah, and, and which is Life of Brian. And a couple of carry ons as well, you know, infamy, infamy. They've all got it infamy and all that kind of stuff. Yes, that's, that's uh, probably the main carry on quote. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of the, the, the US list, two more quotes in the top five are delivered by Marlon Brando, one from On the Waterfront and one from The Godfather. So would you like to have a guess at either of those? (laughs) Vigorous head shaking. I'm going to say the Godfather one would be, I'm going to make you an offer. Sorry. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. It's third person, so I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse, but yes, Ah, that's the one. (laughs) Um, um, and, the... and on the waterfront, I could have been somebody. I could have been a contender, and not just a filthy bum. And let's face it, that's what I am. That's close enough. That's you. You've got yeah. the, the, the the section of it. Yeah. People tend to have fun games with uh, enjoy enjoy games of uh, fact, naming films that I haven't seen. Because, no. <laughs> you know, one of the I've never seen Star Wars or uh, any any of those sorts of films. So. Uh, I have a, a rather eclectic mix of films I have seen, but uh, a, a huge numbers of uh, of uh, classic films that I have never seen. So uh, my knowledge of the quotes of them are very very limited. The last yeah. the last two that I'm going to mention are uh, the rest of the top five, which is uh, first and fourth place, uh, which are both from films of 1939. Oh, Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind is one. And The Wizard of Oz. Is the other. Hey. <laughs> so, any guesses as to what the what the individual quotes from... So, the, the, the oh, Wizard cool. of Oz one is in fourth place, and it's the Gone with the Wind one that took the top spot. Oh, it's the one about Kansas. This doesn't look... Um... Can't remember the exact quote, but uh, we were not in Kansas anymore, or something like that. I don't like think that. we're in Kansas anymore, Toto. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, uh, right. internet points all round there, <laughs> and uh, and for Gone with the Wind. Well, I'm not sure. I'm really that bothered to be honest with you. <laughs> so I think you've uh, paraphrased it there. <laughs> Of course, the line is, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. But the interesting thing with that one is that, in obviously, the, the film is based on the book by Margaret Mitchell. Uh, in the book, firstly, 
he doesn't include the frankly bit. He just says, my dear, I don't give a damn. But also, there's a whole monologue where, you know, he's, she's sort of said, what will, I, what will I do? Where will I go? And he's on his way out and he turns around and he says this to her. But there's he's got a whole monologue before he gets to that line in the book. And they, they want to just cut that, you know, scythe that down. We just have him turn around the doorway and say he doesn't give a damn. So, uh, yeah. There was a theory. The, 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 um, the way he delivers the line is kind of oddly flat and um, just throw away. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And there was there was a theory that they were trying to not draw attention to the word damn because <laughs> at the time when it was being filmed, the uh, Motion Picture Production Code, which was commonly known as the Hayes Code, prohibited use of words like damn and hell. Um, as it happens, by the time of release, they passed an amendment to the code which allowed such words in the context where the dialogue was accurately reporting true history or folklore or classic literature, and so long as it wasn't uh, gratuitous. So they were okay with it because it was from an adaptation from classic literature. But you do think that if they were filming that today, most actors would kind of put a bit more stress on it. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm most familiar with that quote from people's impersonations of him saying it rather yeah, than the actual yeah. yes which, which is different version. isn't it they put the emphasis on the different places yeah. yeah yeah anyway Floyd tell us about your choice of clue yes I picked three down which was notes from letter to the Philippians faithfully reproduced five letters and I didn't get this for a while because I thought, well, letter the, to the Philippians, that's something from the Bible, isn't it? And I think it is referring to what's normally, I think, called Epistle to the Philippians. I'm not actually sure if that's uh, in a book of the Bible or not, but I'm going to assume it is. And yes, I was thinking, well, I don't really know anything about that. Maybe some sort of biblical reference. But I finally twigged that, of course, this is a crossword and the word letter was bound to be doing something. And the Philippians are people from Philippi, which was a city in Greece. So letter to the Philippians was just an indicator of a Greek letter and faithfully reproduced is what is meant by editors putting the word sick, S-I-C, in brackets in a piece of text to say, in other words, no, it was spelt like that when I got here. That's his mistake, not mine. Um, So the definition was the notes at the start of the clue, and it's mu, the Greek letter, and sick, faithfully reproduced. Music are notes. Marvellous. Time for general knowledge quiz. What have we got for us, General? Right. Well, um, this was um, it was it went down a is it a rabbit hole uh, uh, from from sausage? I carried on, and you'll you'll uh, <laughs> perhaps find find out why after the first question. But um, it's quite a long and rambling question. They all are because I've got I've got some uh, um, biographies, mini biographies of famous scientists. 
except you 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 perhaps wouldn't know them as famous scientists. So uh, uh, I'll, I'll find out where I was coming from after the first one, which is perhaps okay. the most difficult. I don't know. Right. But uh, just just interrupt at any time with suggestions. But uh, um, you, it's it's not that easy. Right. So uh, this this scientist was born in Soho in 1779 and studied medicine at Edinburgh. Uh, along with the engineer Thomas Telford, he submitted a report on London's water supply. He was elected um, as a Fellow of the Royal Society in 1815, a recognition of a paper on a slide rule with a log-log scale. Logs on each I was axis. going to go for Joseph Bazalgette there, but no, I don't think that's right. No, no, it's no, not. It's I, not. I, I did think of him when I was reading this, actually, yes. It's not um, Edward Jenner or anybody like that either, is it? No, it's a, but the... You, you, the um, the theme is that the, you you know them better as uh, something for else. other words. There's something else. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so he so it's just background really. This he he also presented a paper on a peculiar optical illusion, which was uh, about spokes going round on a wheel. I think uh, which was noted Thackeray? by uh, sorry Thackeray. No, no, which was noted <laughs> by Michael Faraday. He'd battled depression from an early age. Uh, and and part of his way of coping with it was to make uh, make lots of lists. So um, so and it was uh, these lists that uh, eventually made, made his name uh, in the work. Uh, Is it someone who created an almanac? It's not John Wisden, is it? Not not an almanac, but very close. Yes, that sort of thing. Okay. It's, it, 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 the, the, it does bear his name, or the uh, most famous like version of this. Peter Mark his, his Roger. Work. It is Roger, yes. Hey. Yes, well done. Yeah, no, he, he made made lists of words, compiled them all throughout his life, and then published them uh, after he retired. Um, and and his son carried on the work, and I think his his grandson then. And obviously, it's uh, it's uh, Roger is the name of the thesaurus, really. It's, uh, it's yep. the main yeah. most well known one. So that that came from thinking about uh, the uh, the construction of dictionaries, uh, and I looked up that. And that but then I, I'd never realised he was a scientist. Mm. Uh, but a, co a couple of others that I uh, had known uh, were uh, uh, were also scientists uh, that um, that I thought I'd read read their biographies as well. And uh, uh, you, you'll probably get this straight away, uh, Dave. But Hedy uh, um, um, Lamar. It is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I've, I've preempted your biography there. Well, yes, no, that was, that was right. But, uh, she was a remarkable woman because uh, she was a, a very uh, mathematical genius. It's a packet switching, isn't it? That I think that she's invented. Yes. Yes. Well, I was going to talk about uh, the character in Blazing Saddles because she uh, was awarded compensation from that because. Uh, uh, Hedley Lamar was a character Hedley. in uh, yes, yes. Uh, Blazing Saddles, uh, and apparently, apparently, she never did get the, get the joke really of Blazing Saddles. She was uh, she didn't really understand it at all. So uh, right. uh, it was, oh. I was hoping it would be a, a nice, almost tri uh, not a tribute, but it was uh, it was and hoping. Not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh well. But yes, yeah, no, she was. Uh, it's apparently, Bluetooth uh, is is based on the technology that she invented as well. Mm. So, 
So, right. Very good. Well, we'll go, we'll go on to, we'll go on to the thir third one. Uh, you you, you I'll, might I'll, get this. Uh... I'll, I'll keep me gob shut for this one. No, no, you get this, this one. It's, it's perfectly possible. Um, I say uh, Roger was the hardest, I think. But this, this guy uh, had an interesting life. He was born in St. Petersburg in uh, 1896. Uh, and in, the early, in his early 20s, he made the invention that bears his name soon after developing the first functioning television in Russia. After a tour of Europe and the US, he returned to uh, Russia in mysterious circumstances. I think I've got an idea, but mate, I'll, I'll pause, carry on. Mysterious circumstances in 1938. He disappeared for almost 20 years, but was working with other scientists in secret labs in the gulags. He invented a spying system that used infrared beams from a distance to measure vibrations in glass windows to eavesdrop conversations. That sounds like it's uh, uh, resonating with what I'm thinking of. Yes, Me too yes. as well, actually, at this point, yeah. yeah. Would we be in the sort of hand-waving ballpark? Yes. We're all waving our hands about, yes. Keep going. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, he, he uh, and the laser microphone was used, apparently uses the same principle. He also invented the thing, uh, which is an eavesdropping device <laughs> hidden in a replica of the Great Seal of the US, carved in wood. Yes, I've read about that one. Yeah. It was left over, it, it was a present, but it was presented to him by some guides, the ambassador by some guides or something like that, uh, and picked up confidential conversations for years before it was accidentally discovered. Um, he went back to the US in 1991 um, and actually gave a demonstration con uh, concert of his uh, invention in The Hague at the age of 96. So I, th I think you've, uh, you're fairly confident you know who this is. Yeah, I think we're looking for someone who's granddaughter i'm gonna say is currently performing with the musical instrument that he invented it's yes, uh, his surname is theremin it's yes. leon's name leon theremin yeah. yeah yes yes so uh yeah i know it's the first electronic instrument i think i think so yeah 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 is it the one that makes the good vibrations in good vibrations it's it, it it is, although I think they I think on that one they they actually had a a variant where you could move it with your hand uh, where you had it on a scale. So they weren't actually uh, they weren't waving their hands around, but they had yeah. it on. Uh, that might be an old physical Martin. controllers. That might be an old Martino, mightn't it? Which is a similar sort of thing, but more more physical. It may have been. It, it, it's certainly reported that was it, it was a theremin, but uh, it may it may well have been that. It's an instrument yeah. famously used in sort of 50s science fiction movies. Uh, yes. The, the, uh, notably, um, Day the Earth Stood Still and things like that. Um, yeah, excellent spooky sound. Yeah. Also sort of links into somewhere where I almost went with my stuff about the film quotes. Talk of you know, Russian spying. After I was looking at Gone with the Wind and, and Wizard of Oz, I was looking because they battled it out for best score Oscar. So I was looking to see, at that time, you could like write in a nomination. So instead of having like four nominations like you have now, you could have like 10 or 12 or something like that. Um, and the year that they won, I think, Aaron Copeland was nominated and didn't win. Um, but I was, 
in the years just before that, the actual composer wasn't nominated. It was just the uh, the music department of the studio. And so the person who got the nomination was the head of music. So, uh, so for example, when Korngold wrote a score for Anthony Adverse, it was Leo Forbstein who got the nomination because he was head of music at Warner Brothers. And I'm looking at this list, and you know, sometimes you see an, a name that goes, oh, that's interesting, I'll click on that name. In the year before, in 38, so the year before Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz, one of the nominees was Boris Moros. I thought, what a name is Boris Moros? That sounds like a Russian spy. <laughs> and I clicked on it. He was uh, the head of music at Paramount and a Russian spy. <laughs> yes. Marvellous. Yes, uh, perfect. Perfect, yeah. I mean, it turns out late, later on he turned double agent and worked for the FBI. But uh, right. it, it was really nice to kind of go, oh, Russian spy. Oh, God, he was, yeah. <laughs> what, what you said there also reminded me that, uh, that instrumental music uh, used to be an Olympic sport. Yes, I think Joseph Sook won a gold medal, something like that, yeah. And the brilliant thing about it was the, the, the music never got played. So um, the the the, the well, so judges were... judges would just sort of study the sheet music and award the yes. price of Marv. How about that? That's bizarre. <laughs> it is. I mean, there were all sorts of uh, uh, there was architecture or whatever and things like that. But mm. uh, yeah, no, the the fact that they didn't listen to the music, they just read it and thought, yeah, that's the winner for me. Yeah, all those sort of oddities got thinned out in the early twenties, I think. Yeah, it was about the last time you got any more artistic flair. Yeah, I, th- I thought that it was in London. I thought that was in the still in there in the uh, London Olympics of '48. But I'm not sure. But uh, oh wow, maybe. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. That was my recollection, but I'm not sure. Okay, I think it's about time to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. As usual, show notes will be at offgrid.tlmb.net. You can say hi to us on Twitter, where I'm at Skirwingle. And I'm at the void TLMB. And if you are intrigued by cryptic crosswords at all, or just still a bit new to them, and you'd like to learn a little bit more or get a little bit better, then you could do a lot worse than checking out the Twitch stream of Cryptic Sundays. So... Every Sunday, they solve a couple of puzzles on Twitch at 12 noon British time. Uh, And there's a chat box where you can join in and help to explain how the clues work or just listen in and learn how the clues work. Beginners welcome. So check them out. Uh, General, anything you would like to recommend? Uh, I would recommend going to Twitter uh, and looking uh, at Eccles Crossword and doing... uh, any of the Eccles crosswords in the Independent, which are usually every other Wednesday. I just did one of those yesterday, and a couple of the clues gave me a good chuckle. So I yep, can. Those, those are always worth checking out. Thank you very much for your help this week, General Knowledge. Pleasure to be here. We'll see you all next time, folks. Bye bye bye. Bye. That was off grid. If you've enjoyed it, please tell a friend and give us a rating and a review on the platform of your choice if that is possible that would be really nice thank you it really helps us to get noticed by other people 
which would like to happen. Thank you, of course, to Kairos, our setter of this episode's puzzle, and an extra special thank you this episode to the Trudy, the excellent pop band that you should all listen to. We will be back in two weeks. See you again. Bye-bye. And there was one in Australia, I think, called Ah.